0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. ...this place today. Thank you for each and every person upon the sound of my voice. Thank you for all of our present moments, all of our past moments, and all of the future that you may give us. We love you. We praise you that you brought us to this place today. So God, I know that you are sovereign. I know that you are in control. I know that you are good. And I know that everything that has happened in my life up until this point means you have brought me right here. Thank you that we can all say it, that you brought us right here today to hear from you, to worship with our brothers and sisters, to sing praises to the name above all names, the name of our Lord and Savior, the name of our King. What's his name? Jesus, we love you, Jesus. We praise you. We thank you. We trust you. We ask in your holy and heavenly name. Together we say amen and amen. You may be seated, church. How many of you are grateful that we got a praise team that could lead us like that? Come on. I know I can't be the only one. Hallelujah. Thank you. All right. So today we're going to be in Psalm 124, so open your Bibles up to Psalm 124. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can uh, look at the screen behind me, or if you've got the Bible app, you can go to events down at the right-hand corner and you'll be able to follow along with the notes, There's sermon notes in here. You can take notes on the Bible app. So if you don't have a Bible with you, you can look on the screen or you can pull your phone out and go to the Bible app. The Bible is not on Facebook. The Bible is not on Instagram. The Bible is the Bible. Amen. Okay and got a couple amens. All right. So we're in Psalm 124 today. Uh, and our text today is, is really important because it speaks to our fears. And it does so in an interesting, very creative, and above all, super helpful way for us. Because what I found to be one of the most common features of humanity is our ability to imagine disaster. Amen. How many of you can imagine a good disaster that's going to happen in your life? Come on. All right. We got a couple people. We'll all get there, right? You know what I'm talking about. Some of us are better at this than others. But, you know, some of us, it's part of the human condition, I think. And psychologists have a name for it. It's called catastrophizing, where you look forward and you imagine the worst possible case scenario, the worst outcome that could happen to anything going on in your life. And that's what you imagine is going to happen. Like, perhaps if you go through a breakup, you think, I will never find love again. I ruin every relationship I'm ever in. You know, perhaps uh, if your kids go to school or you let your kids go to a sleepover and you think of all the terrible things that could possibly happen to them, so you hold on to them and you say, if they're with me, then I can save them. Or perhaps you get a new job and you're worried that one day they might find out you're not as good as what your resume said. You know, and in my own life, when I became a pastor, uh, I thought, what on earth did I get myself into? Like, I had no idea what I'm doing, and I still don't, praise God, but he is leading us and guiding us. You know, there's many days when we think about the future where we think they're going to find out that I'm not who I say I am, or they're going to find out that I'm not as good as I, I might look at a certain time. We as human beings, we have the ability to imagine disaster, and so many of us do it. And I think that this is the common theme that I see when I talk with people, or even when I do it in my own life, when we imagine disaster, is it's always in the future And God is not there that we don't bring God into the future when we imagine a disaster is going to happen. It's never, well, I'm going to go here and I'm going I'm to have this terrible disaster happen to me, but God is going to be there and he's going to take care of me. No, when we imagine disaster in the future, we often leave God in the present. And sometimes we leave God in the past. We don't bring him with us into the future to help us through this imagined disaster. So we imagine a Godless future that's a huge disaster. And that's why many of us live in crippling fear. So as we continue this series in the Psalms, which we've talked about, being full of emotion, rich with lament and thanksgiving and praise, all these beautiful emotions we see from the psalmists that come out. We're in Psalm 124 today. We're continuing this series called Built for More because we are built for more than just a Sunday morning, that we as God's body are built for more than just 90 minutes at 9.30 or 11.30 on a Sunday morning, that we are meant to be the church beyond the weekend, that we are meant to be the church of a spiritual family on mission in each other's lives. And our key thing that we're looking at today throughout this whole series is life groups, right? So we've been talking about life groups, we've been talking about why we're supposed to be spiritual family on mission, and how we're supposed to be doing this together. One of the key things that we do in life groups is rehearsing God's favor, that God has been so good to us, God has been so kind to us, that we rehearsed his favor together. And the text today of Psalm 124 is an antidote against that, because when we go into the future and we imagine disaster, when we don't bring God in there, when we don't bring God into the future, sometimes we do that in isolation, that it's so hard for us to to do that in community, that even when I'm making up all these terrible things that could happen in my life, I'm, I'm often doing it in isolation. But when you imagine disaster in community, somebody's like, no, 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 it's not going to go like that. Like, I'm, I'm pondering the favor of God with you. It's not going to be like that. So as we look at Psalm 124, King David wrote this psalm, uh, and it's another psalm of ascent, which we'll get into in a little bit. David uses some different reasoning, though, that he uses otherwise in the Bible. You remember the story of David and Goliath, right? Yes, amen. Why did David tell King Saul he could go fight Goliath? He says, my God delivered me from the paw of the bear, the paw of the lion, and he will surely deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So he uses uh, the methodology of God delivered me from the obstacle in front of me in the past, so he's going to deliver me from the obstacle in front of me in the future. And it's a great tool to have to be able to look back and see all the ways that God has delivered you to impact your present and your future to say, God is going to take care of me in the future. But Psalm 124 does something completely different. So this is a new weapon in your arsenal. This is an an imagination of, of going back into the past and imagining all the disaster that could have been if it weren't for the Lord on my side. So instead of imagining a godless future that's a total disaster, we imagine a God-filled past of disaster that never came and never did. Why? Because the Lord was on our side. How many of you believe that? That the Lord is on your side. Come on, all right. So the result of this is trust that we can trust God. That because with God on our side, we have nothing to fear. We're gonna repeat that a few times because I want to make sure that all y'all are convinced. So we're gonna just repeat after me. With God on my side. I have nothing to fear fear. with God on my side side. I have nothing to fear fear. now even more powerfully for all of us with God on our side side. we we have nothing to fear amen we're going to learn three things from Psalm 124 but first we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and slow our minds down slow our hearts down so that we might receive sacred scripture join me in prayer thank you God You're our father you're our sovereign creator and ruler in the name of jesus we ask that the word would impact us in ways that we would never even think possible today we ask that you would help us to rewrite our history that we would be able to look back at all of the disaster that has been averted or avoided and not focus too much on the bad things that have happened but focus on all the deliverance that you have given to us so god i pray That as we read this psalm, it would be tools in our tool belt. It would be weapons in our arsenal as we fight in the evil day, as we stand firm against the enemy that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy our lives and our families and our church. So we pray in the name of Jesus that you would teach us how to do this for your glory, by your grace, that you might get all the glory from our life. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We ask in your name. Amen. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side... Let now Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth earth. Hallelujah. We're going to look at three things today from this psalm. The first one is that we ponder together the favor of God, that he has brought us here together today to ponder together the favor of God, because with God on our side, we have nothing to fear. So in Psalm 124, we see again a little bit of a, a kind of a backward uh, reasoning. And we saw last week that Denzel taught us that this was one of the psalms of ascent. There's 15 psalms or songs of ascent that are pilgrimage songs, That is, we're making our way back into Jerusalem. Jerusalem, this is what the Israelites did, that Jews who were, who had either moved or were displaced would come back to the Holy Land to gather together for festivals or gather together for celebrations, and they would sing these songs that were songs of pilgrimage and songs of deliverance from all the things that they had been brought out of. Another thing that that the Mishnah says, the Mishnah is a Jewish uh, religious book of oral tradition, the oral tradition of the Jewish faith, says that there were also 15 steps up and down from the temple, and these songs were sung as priests would ascend into the the temple and descend. The, the thing that these songs do more than anything is help with the identity as God's people to compel us to remember the favor of God. And Psalm 124 does just that, right? So we, right away, David jumps in and says, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, and then he invites the whole congregation to sing with him. He invites everybody to sing with him. And he says, now let all Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. So the first thing that we must do if we are going to receive deliverance from this crippling situation of imagining disaster in the future, catastrophizing, as psychologists would call it, is to repeat to ourselves and know in our hearts that the Lord is on our side. That the Lord is for us. How many of you right now, up under the sound of my voice, have ever thought that maybe God doesn't care about me? Okay. We'll get there. If you didn't have your hand up, you need to keep paying attention, okay? You don't get to leave church yet. you got to keep paying attention. The message is not over yet, right? So we need to repeat for ourselves that that the Lord is on our side. What what happens so commonly and what I see so commonly through pastoral care or counseling is that people will come and they'll sit and talk about history. They'll talk about all the things that have happened that have gotten me to usually this miserable place today in the present, and especially for people that are not spiritually vibrant at the moment and are not spiritually alive at the moment, and they might not even know it in that case we talk about the history typically and and the person who uh, what stands out the most i think whenever i sit with people and it's conspicuous by its absence the thing that is always missing from their hurtful history and painful past is god that god is never there when we talk about the the pain that we've had in our past that we don't often bring god back there because our history is written central to us But what this psalm does is it introduces us to a new tool and a new weapon to rewrite our painful history with God at the center. To say all these things could have happened, but they didn't because the Lord was on our side. And there's so much that that has gone on in our past. And I need to say this twice, I think. How you remember your past is extremely important. How you remember your past is extremely important because if the retelling of our past has us at the center of it, then any good things that happen fuel our pride and any bad things that happen fuel our insecurities. But with God at the center, what it does is it should deepen a conviction of trust for the Lord, because if it weren't for him on our side, where would we be? That's why we just sung the song. Now, a great illustration for this is is usually marriage counseling, right? That whenever a married couple comes in for counseling, there's usually an issue going on. And if you get counseling as a a married couple and there's nothing wrong in your marriage, praise God, you should keep doing that. That's a good thing. But most of the time, when folks come in for marriage counseling, there's a problem of some sort. And because Rachel and I went to marriage counseling some years back, and the guy asked us an amazing question to start. So now I've stolen that from him. I don't give him any credit. It's all mine. It's a great counseling technique. <laughs> no, no, his name's Nathan. He's an awesome counselor. He's great. He's a great counselor. But I, but I use this tactic because it helps to remember the history. That anytime a, marriage, a married couple comes in, instantly they want to start trying to get me to take their side, right? That's how it goes. How many married people here? How many of y'all ever been in a fight? Good. Yeah. How many of you ever tried to convince somebody that you were right in the fight? Okay, good, yeah. So we're all on the same page here, right? Usually we're looking for somebody to convince that we are right in the fight. So the question I ask is, why did you get married? Tell me about it. You know, there's, there's usually a big problem. So I, I ask, why did you get married? And depending on how bad the situation is, sometimes things can go south pretty quickly. They're like, well, I thought she was this type of woman, but it turns out she was terrible. Or I thought he was going to take care of me, but he's been awful. Depending on how bad the situation is. Most of the time, though, what happens when you ask married couples, why did you get married? The man will say something like, the moment I laid eyes on her, she was the most beautiful woman in the world. That's what my wife said when we were in marriage counseling about me, right? No, she's just laughing at me. That's okay. That's all right. We'll keep going. Uh, and then, like the you know, the woman will say, Well, because I, I knew he was strong and a protector, and he was gonna take care of me. So we go back in history to remember the good things that have happened historically that can help influence the presence. And this is exactly what Psalm 124 is doing. As we look through verses two and five, David is saying, All these people that rose up against us, if you look at the old testament, you will find that it was not easy to be the nation of Israel. You will find that somebody was chasing. King David, trying to kill him the majority of his life. Specifically from Joshua to Esther, any page in the Old Testament, somebody is trying to kill Israel. Somebody is fighting against Israel. And it says that when people rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger was kindled against us. But why didn't they? Because the Lord was on our side. And then it moves forward, verses 4 and 5, the flood would have swept us away. The raging waters would have poured over us. But why didn't it sweep us away? Because the Lord was on our side and it's important for us to understand this about the nation of Israel. That Israel, uh, that when they looked at waters, they looked at it as chaotic, mysterious, and, and usually something totally negative. The majority of Israel, they worked the land. They were mostly people who tried to stay dry. So the idea of water sweeping over somebody was always terrifying for Israel. As, they, as David wrote this, he's saying, Many nations rose up against us. Even the waters that have come over us, they have not done what they sought to do. Why? Because the Lord was on our side. It's so important how we remember our history because if we remember our history with ourselves at the center, then God doesn't get the glory. We have to remember our history with God at the center because if things have gone poorly, he's worked them out for, for our good. If things have gone well, he's worked them out for our good. If we remember our history with God at the center, the one who's protecting us, the one who's going before us, the one who's going behind us, the one who's on the side of us, then he can get the appropriate glory for our lives. So as we learn from Psalm 124 today, is God at the center of your history or are you at the center of your history? Are you giving God the credit and the glory for all the missteps never taken for all the relationships that you never got in for all the drugs that you never did for all the terrible choices that you never made for all the things that could have happened in your life but didn't because the Lord was on your side so we ponder the favor of God together in community because that is a way for God to get glory in my life and in our life as our shared confession as our mutual fellowship now if you have a lot of regret in your past and you're saying, my, my past is broken and my heart is broken today. I, I'm here for you, right? And I got a word for you, so you just got to pay attention, okay? The, the, David addresses this as we carry through the psalm. So if you look back at your life and you say, the Lord didn't deliver me from all this pain, there is a word coming for you. The second thing that we need to do together in life groups after we have pondered together the favor of God is to praise God for his protection. Why? Because with God on our side, we have nothing to fear. We praise God for his protection. The psalmist David here, he goes on in verses 6 and 7 and says... Uh, it kind of paints Israel as this vulnerable character that as they are prey but there is a predator trying to get them or they're a bird a, a fowl that's that's going to be trapped in the snare of the fowler it's a great imagery of our vulnerability of our defenselessness of our smallness but then he finishes in verse 7b saying the snare is broken and we have escaped so when we look back at our history and we're praising God again David is continuously praising God saying all these things could have happened but didn't Because the Lord was on my side. All these things, all these people and nations could have risen up against us and overtaken us, but it didn't happen. Why? Because the Lord is on our side. So we're going to watch a short video here that I think is indicative of uh, kind of some of our lives, right? And especially if you're a dad, you've, you've done some of these things or you've seen some of these things. But as we're walking through life, sometimes we're walking through life as like hapless children, right? That if you have young kids or you've raised young kids, how many times do you think you've saved their life? right? Hundreds, right? They have no idea though. They have no idea. Like Judah was standing on the kitchen table the other day. and I was like, if he falls, he's going to die. So I just go and I grab him and he just like, looks up at me and keeps going. So I saved his life, but he doesn't even know that this is how we walk through life so commonly that God saves our lives, but we don't even know what's happening. That there is a the hand of a father reaching down to protect us, but we're just carrying on through our life. Let's watch a couple of these clips here from this video. I think we'll get a good kick out of it. Whoa, whoa, that was close. <laughs> oh, daddy, 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 oh my god, daddy, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh, my god. Oh, my god. <laughs> this is how many of us go through life, and we don't even know that God grabs us when we're an inch away from hitting our face on the pavement. Dad's awesome got a couple more because we got to get to my favorite one. This is probably something I would do too. <laughs> Checking out with a child on your shoulder is probably not a great thing to do. Thank you for showing the video. So these children, if it had not been for their dad on their side, they would have encountered great pain and harm. So as we look back at our history, that this is so indicative of our lives, that we're just walking through life, stumbling, falling off of things, but if it had not been for God who was on our side, where would we be? The psalmist here talks about a trap or a snare. So I don't think we have many people that are trapping for a living here, but uh, somebody who is a trapper or a fowler, they, they create these traps for birds to get caught in, and the birds have no idea what they're doing, right? They run through this little wire typically, and then their foot gets caught, and they're caught, and they're killed, and they're eaten. Eaten, right? So traps and snares are usually a terrible thing for the prey that gets trapped or snared, but a good thing for the predator. And the Bible is very clear, actually, a number of times about traps and snares, that there are traps and snares all over the place that we could fall in right, that we could be, uh, we could fall prey to. I'm going to look at, we're going to look at 12 of them in scripture because I think it's very important for us to understand the traps that we've been delivered from because the snare has been broken, as it says in Psalm 124, 7b, but also the things that we need to avoid in the future because some of us are probably walking into traps today, right now, amen? Okay, you need to be careful, right? So let's look at these 12. Exodus 23, the first trap that's listed here is false gods. That it is a snare, it is a trap when you are trying to worship something other than God. Because false gods will always disappoint. False gods will never come through. They can't save you. All they do is make you feel good for a moment. Exodus 34, the wrong alliances is a snare or a trap. That when you are in partnership with somebody that you're not supposed to be in partnership with, that can turn into a trap for your life evil work in Psalm 9, that if you are doing dirt, you will get dirty. Amen? Okay. Psalm 64, people's evil schemes against us can also be a trap or a snare. Some people have been plotted against and you don't even know you've been plotted against because the Lord was on your side. Some of you have been plotted against and God allowed you to see that you were being plotted against so you could escape from the snare. Proverbs 6, another trap is our own words. Any wives want to give an amen to that? Hearty amen. Okay, that's all right. Uh, Proverbs 7, a seductive forbidden woman. I don't have to say anything else. Proverbs 20, rash vows that if you are making promises too quickly or you are agreeing to things that you can't actually come through on, that is a trap and a snare that will cause you to be hurt. Proverbs 21, dishonest gain, right? If you're cheating or stealing, this is a trap or a snare. Proverbs 22, friendship with a person who is given over to anger. Some of you grew up with this person or went to high school with this person, where when you went out, no matter where you went, you knew that this person was gonna get in a fight, right? Some of you are that person, amen, anybody? Right, absolutely that. If you're laughing loud, that's you, right? So you know that a friendship with a person who's given to anger can be a trap for you. You can get into fights that you had no intention to get into. You can get into arguments that you did not want to be in. Proverbs 29, another snare, another trap is the fear of man. When you fear man more than you fear God, and this fear can be used for reverence, when you honor or fear or revere man more than you honor, fear, and revere God, that is a trap for your life. 1 Timothy 6 is the desire to be rich. That when you want to be rich more than you want to serve God it's not going to work out for you when you chase money it's not going to work right now being rich is not a sin some people God gives them the favor to be rich so that they may use their wealth for his kingdom now lastly here and this is one I think is very important to us Isaiah chapter 8 God himself is a trap God himself is a snare to people who are bent on violence and evil so even if you think people are getting away with things left and right God himself is the trap for those people who are bent on violence and evil. But for those of us who walk with God and know that the Lord God is on our side, this is why David wrote in Psalm 124 verse 7 the snare is broken and we have escaped, that we understand these things are in front of us and we have escaped from this snare, we have escaped from these traps and if things have gone well for you in your life don't praise yourself because you're so smart praise God because he's delivered you. Praise God that he has brought you out of these things, that he's protected you from these things now finally there's one more thing that we need to do together here in our life groups the first thing is we ponder together the favor of god that we have to say that this this was going to happen to me but then god said no and stopped it we have to ponder together the favor of god all the good things that he's done in our life and the things that we don't even know that he's done but we we're sure that he has done them then we praise god for his protection because he is protecting us in ways that we don't even know just like the children getting saved by their their dad unsuspectedly that is how many of us if not all of us are walking through life right now for those of us who have put our faith hope and trust in God and point number three is that we put our trust in God because with God on our side you have nothing to fear so if, you, if truly you believe that with God on your side, you have nothing to fear, what's stopping us from putting our trust in him? Why wouldn't we all just trust God with our entire life if we know that he's delivered us from pain in the past, that he's allowed us to avoid disaster and danger, and he's going to continue to deliver us? Then why is it that some of us still have so much trouble trusting him? I think it's because we're doing it alone, that we're not in community We're not in a spiritual family on mission. We're not in a Christ-centered biblical community, that when we're doing it alone, it's easy to imagine disaster. When you're doing it alone and nobody's watching your back, it's easy to befall hurt, harm, or danger, that we must do this together. And David knew this, the psalmist knew this. What is the first word in verse eight? Somebody help me out. What's the first word in Psalm 124, verse eight? Our, every single verse of this psalm is communal. Not a single time does it say I, mine, or me. It says the Lord has delivered us. The Lord has been on our side. We have been delivered. We have been saved from the the predatory teeth. We have been saved from the the, 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 the fowler. The snare has been broken. We are saved. Our help is in the name of the Lord. This is one of the primary reasons why life groups are indispensable for the Christian. That we must do this together. That Psalm 124, short eight verses, shows King David talking about how God has delivered us from things in the past. And then he says, now everybody say this. Because we are in this together as the body of Christ. We are in this together at life groups in our local church which are indicative and supposed to be representative of the global church. That Christ died so that we would be one Christ died and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh, creating one new man. So I exhort you, please, today, as your pastor, or even if you're just a guest here, as a preacher, you must make life groups a priority in your life. That if we are not living in spiritual family on mission, in community, then we're missing it. If we're walking through life in isolation, you're missing it. And you're in trouble and you're in danger. You see this all the time. You see it in nature. When something breaks away from the pack, what's going to happen? You see it in your friendships. When somebody grows distant in a friendship or distant from a group that they're supposed to be in, what usually comes after that? Danger. Destruction. We are meant to do this together. So I told you that if, if you have pain in your past and you feel like you haven't been delivered, that you need to pay attention. And the word is for you right now. That we've been talking substantially about all the danger that could have been but never was. But I am keenly aware, and it's not lost on me, that some of you in here right now are still hurt from that danger. Some of you are still going through heartbreak. Some of you are still going through disaster that has happened in your life. And you feel like you've never gotten out of it. You feel like the disaster came and the disaster always was. God never rescued me from that. And I'm aware that many of us live with this regret. The regret of addictions or abuse that ruined relationships. The regret of growing up as children without a father in the house. The regret of our children growing up and we weren't close to them. The regret of poor choices and harsh words. We regret about not speaking up about oppression or injustice when it's right in front of our face. That we live with these regrets. So we look at our past and we say, disaster did come. And my heart's broken because of it. And my life screwed up because of it. Disaster did come. God didn't save me. He might have saved you. Your life looks okay. And if that's you today, we all have the same solution to our problem. Every single one of us has the same solution to our problem. Our help is in the name of the Lord. So if you believe that disaster did come and God did not rescue you, your help is in the name of the Lord. If you can look back on your past and say, God has delivered me, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, what would have become of me? We can all say, our help is in the name of the Lord. And together I want to ask you again, what is his name? Come on, if your heart is broken, what is his name? If you know you've been rescued, what is his name? If you know you've been delivered, what is his name? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. If he made everything, tell me what he can't do in your life. If he made all the heavens and the earth, tell me what he can't deliver you from in your life. Tell me what relationship he can't get you out of in your life. Tell me what addiction he can't break in your life. He is the one who has made heaven and earth, and our help is in his name. So how can you know that God the creator of heaven and earth, is on your side. Don't you want to know this answer? Don't we all want to know that God is on my side? Right? And there's nothing more important. So what makes God be on your side? And I think many people, when we ask this question, it's because, well, I've done so many good things for him. What do you mean? Of course he's going to be on my side. I serve in kids, ministry. and I don't even like kids. Right? God is on my side. I'm righteous and I'm holy. And for many of us, this is the trap that we fall into. We think our good deeds are going to cause God to be in debt to us and then do nice things for us. Because that's what works out in our horizontal relationships. That we say nice stuff to people and we compliment people and we do things for people so they might be in our debt so we can ask them for something later. That does not work with God no it does not so here's what happens that we we live with these regrets and then we try to do good things and it's this cyclical nature and our good things are never enough to get us out of our hurtful history and painful past the regrets that are killing us so it's this cycle that continues to eat itself and when we ask the question how do you know God's on your side and you say because I'm a good person my question to follow up is when will it ever be enough when will you have done enough For your regret to go away and for god to love you just because of your deeds never it will never ever be enough you have never done enough i have never done enough but jesus has done enough our help is in the name of the lord What makes God be on our side so that he's for us and not against us because of our sin is because Jesus is our help. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Jesus came by his life, his death, his resurrection to put us in right relationship with God, our father. His relationship removes the sin from our life because he took all the sin of the world on the cross. On the cross, Jesus took our sin, which means that God could no longer be on his side for a moment because God couldn't be on his side. The wrath and hatred of man pierced him because God could not be on Jesus' side on the cross. He cried out in agony, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God could not be on his side. The wrath of God consumed him until he breathed his last. The perfect son of God lost everything and did everything so we could know that the Lord our God is on our side. We haven't done enough. He has. And if you trust him, if you confess our help my help, my salvation is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then God will forever be on your side. And he will rewrite your past. And he will rewrite your present. And he will rewrite your future. And you will be able to stand in the congregation and say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? The snare has been broken. I have escaped because my help is in the name of the Lord Jesus. So as the worship team comes back up, We're going to sing a song together called I Will Trust. It's I Will Trust in the Name of the Lord is what we're going to sing over and over again. And I just want to make sure everybody knows his name. What's his name? What's his name? You will never again have to imagine a godless future that's a total disaster if you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. God will always be there in the future waiting for you. He will always be there in the present with you. And you will be able to look at your past to rewrite your history so that you might be able to look at your present better. When we rewrite our history with God at the center, instead of us at the center, we can say, yeah, he might have let this happen to me, but look what he saved me from. He might have let me go to jail in 2007, but look what he saved me from. He might have let me go into that bad relationship, so I would never go into another relationship like that again. He might allow me to taste everything the world has to offer to know that it is sinking sand and incomparable to the great worth of Jesus Christ. If you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good you don't want to eat anything else you'll be able to imagine a God-filled God-forgiven past present and future of disaster that never came because the snare is broken and we have escaped trust him and praise him so I want to remind us that we ponder together the favor of God that if we don't start sharing with one another let me tell you what God did in my life Let me me tell you all the things that he saved me from. Let me tell you what God has done. Let me tell you what my God has done for me so I know he'll do it again in the future. If we don't ponder together the favor of God as just a tiny little community of a few hundred people on the east side of Pontiac, how do we expect the world to get it right? How do we expect an entire city to get it right? An entire county to get it right? That if you can't get it right with your neighbor, if we can't even get it right with our spouse, how are we supposed to expect to be a church that's leading the global church? And not leading. There's only one leader. His name's Jesus, right? It's not me. Jesus is the only leader. But I know that He's called us to model this. I know that He has called us to be a spiritual family on mission that ponders together the favor of God, that protects God for His. Excuse me. That praises God for His protection, so that we may be able to put our trust in God. So, with God on our side, we have nothing to fear. Let's repeat it. With God on our side, we have nothing to fear. Come on, one more time. With God on my side, side. I have nothing to fear. fear. With God on our side, side, we we have nothing to fear. So in the midst of a world that is seemingly spiraling out of control, if God is on your side, you have nothing to fear. In the midst of hurtful history and painful past, with Jesus at the center, you have nothing to fear because he's brought you here. Yeah, you still might be going through a little bit of what you went through, but he's delivered you. Amen? Amen. That, that thank God we don't look like what we came from. Thank God we don't look like what we've been rescued out of. That that is a testimony that if, you, you, if you've been there, you know it. So I want to lead us in a word of prayer, and then we're going to worship. The song is called, I Will Trust. The chorus is, I will trust in the name of the Lord. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've delivered us. Thank you that you've been good to us. Thank you, that we can stand and say, those of us who are in Christ Jesus, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, all these terrible things would have happened to me, but I praise you, God, because the snare is broken. I have escaped, and my help is in the name of the Lord, whose name is Jesus. And if you've never made that confession, don't let another moment go by without confessing that your help, your salvation, your very life is found in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're sick of your past plaguing you, don't walk out of this place without putting God at the center of your past and telling someone about it. If you're sick of feeling like you're only imagining disaster for your present and your future... Don't walk out of this place with allowing God to rewrite your present and rewrite your future by putting your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Because nothing in this world will save us. Nothing in this world will satisfy. It is Christ alone. So Lord Jesus, we trust you today. We love you today. We're declaring that we will put our trust in your name because all of our help, all of our hope, all of our peace, all of our salvation is found in you alone. So with God on our side, we have nothing to fear. As we repeat it one more time as a congregation, we'll give your name praise. With God on our side, we have nothing to fear. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet and worship together, church. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.